Well, this morning, what prompted this series was uh, Ben and Jeremy. Sounds like an ice cream, doesn't it? (laughs) Ben and and Jeremy and their preaching, if you weren't here, it's posted, it's on the web, and you'll enjoy both of them. But uh, Jeremy uh, uh, was speaking about scars. And with scars come, can come brokenness. And I want to look at brokenness for the next several weeks. And brokenness is how God wants to, to be able to use us and then restore us. And we need to see that while he has allowed us to be broken, he has also provided restoration. And so this morning we're going to look at, if it ain't broke, then break it. <laughs> and the first, the first thing I want to address is, uh, if it ain't broke, then break it. But God can't fix what isn't broken. God can't fix what isn't broken. How many of you heard the cliche, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? You know, if, you, if you ever watched uh, tool, uh, uh, tool Time and, and uh, uh, Tim Allen... Uh, he, 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 whatever he touched, it, it ended up, you know, the flip the switch and the toilet would flush or, you know, plug in a frying pan and the water would come on in the sink. It was a mess. Everything he touched was, was a mess. And, and yet many people tend to abide by that with the exception of young boys. We have a friend whose, whose son loved electronic things. And at six years of age, he knew enough to be dangerous. And mom took him into this big grocery store. And she had uh, uh, shopping for, for a family of five. And she had two carts that she was navigating. And the boy took off, and he went and found his way in the back room, in the computer room, and on a board, there was a button, and the button had a lock on it, and on a, uh, a cover, and it said in big, bold letters, do not touch. You had to have a key to get in there. I don't know how he did it, but he picked the lock at six years old, got the key, got the, got the, the thing open, and pushed the button. The button... Shut down the store. Cash registers, everything. The automatic doors wouldn't open. Scanner wouldn't scan. And so the manager of the store went back there and found the kid, grabbed him, and brought him up to the front and over the PA said, well, the owner of a six-year-old boy named Kirk, come get him. Mary was, was absolutely mortified. She didn't even pay for the groceries. She just left two carts of food in the aisle and went and got him. Wanted to have her husband just... She really wanted to leave the kid in the store and, and get her husband to come get him, but she'd probably get arrested for child abandonment. But uh, this kid, later, he's, uh, today he is a computer genius. The kid is just, just brilliant. And he still through his life, everything that he touched 
he broke. But he knew how to fix it. So we're going to talk about that. Not the button, but brokenness. Psalm 34, 17 through 19 says that uh, God, uh, this, this, is, this, this brokenness and what Kirk did, you know, if it ain't broke, break it, is so utterly godlike. In the psalm it says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. We sang about brokenness this morning. Very appropriate music. And how the Lord, he never runs out on us. Even in, our, in, even in our most broken part of life, He never gives up on us. God, though, wants to break us. He promises to be close to the brokenhearted, the psalm says. To be the, our source of power and courage and wisdom, the psalm says. Helping us to get through our problems, whatever those problems are. The psalmist says that that's what God does. And, and this is when he can show us how great he is and how much we have to learn. Oswald Chambers, who was a great Scottish uh, preacher uh, at the turn of the century, wrote, When God gets us alone through suffering, heartbreak, temptation, disappointment, sickness, or by thwarted desires, a broken friendship or even a new friendship, when he gets us absolutely alone and we are total, when we are totally speechless and able, unable to ask even one question, then, then he begins to teach us and repair the brokenness. The second thing is, if it ain't broke, then break it, but you have to let go. Our youngest daughter, Holly, uh, Veronica and I did things together. She was, she was always the one holding the light, usually in my eye, when I was fixing things around the house. And today, in her house, she fixes things. She's repair, she has repaired toilets, replaced toilets, put up ceiling fans. As she, is. she is one handy chick. Holly was the thinker. And so Holly would play head games with me all the time. But Holly had a blanket and the blanket's name was Matthew. I kid you not. Matthew the blanket. She took that thing everywhere. It was ratty and threadbare and dirty, grubby, and, and stuff hanging off it, and, and it ripped. And she was heartbroken. So she takes the blanket in its ripped condition to her mother, lays it in her lap and says, fix it. But she had a hold of the other end. And mom says to this little girl, you got to let go if, I got, if, I can, if I'm going to fix it. I think that's where your sewing began. It went from broken blankets to hemmed pants. But she had to let go before mom could fix it. And in God's economy... When he's working in our lives 
and all this, this our, our, our guts are hanging out because of the problems of life, we have got to let go before he can start to fix the problem, don't we? It's like that little, bl- that little kid holding the blanket. You know, mom can't fix it unless you let go. And that's what God is telling us to do. If it ain't broke, break it. But you've got to let go before he can break it, before he can fix it. So let's learn a little here this morning in, in, in our age of disposable everything. What do we normally do when something's broken? We throw it out. We throw it away and we get a new one, and it's easier that way, isn't it? Well, God does things a little differently. We do things with relationships that way. When it's broken, we throw it out. We'll get another relationship. We, you know, you, the divorce rates are, are just skyrocketing today, or else they aren't even getting married. Rarely, though, does God give us an easy road to take. He wants us to get down to the point that we can confess those parts of our lives that are painful and hurting because maybe their sin has caused this. Those parts that are not perfect and don't measure up. And God knows when we get there, our humanity and our frailties will become instruments of healing. And if we allow it to lead us to confessing to Him, our dependence on Him will set us free. We let go. Guys, us, we, we, we man, manly men. Manly men of the pink shirt crowd. Craig, I'm going to get you some loud socks, and you'll wear those puppies, and we'll let your sister-in-law make fun of you instead of me. Chartreuse, I think, is your color. Well, guys tend to uh, uh, suppress their feelings. We, we, they... they, they uh, try to bury it all and think that it won't affect them and it won't affect others. And, and maybe there's some of you out there that are that way. You know, I, I, I've got to keep this stuff held in because I don't, uh, don't want to appear weak. You know, the quiet, strong, quiet types. I, on the other hand, wear my feelings on my sleeve. Are we going to get rid of this thing? You're embarrassed? Well, you lose 100 pounds and see what your shirt looks like. So, 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 you made me lose my train of thought. Yeah. I wear my feelings on my sleeve and, and you can know what I'm thinking by my facial expressions or even what I'm saying. Uh, I, don't, I don't bottle things up usually. I'll never get an ulcer. I'm a carrier. I'll give you one. <laughs> but I let go pretty easily. But as soon as I let go, I grab it back again. That brings me to the third point. If it ain't broke, then break it, but you can't fix it yourself. You see, those feelings and hurt are the beginnings 
of brokenness. Called a, a crack. But what we tend to do is try and take some emotional cold patch, spackle, whatever we've got, and we'll throw it in a crack and, and fix it. And it works for a while until the crack begins to open up and, and it happens all over again. Stuff starts to seep out. <laughs> I bet you could fix this. I love this shirt. And, and uh, it begins to affect your relationships with, with your spouse, with your kids, with your employee, with your employers, or employer and employees, uh, your friends. And so we may try and, and patch over the patch, and it works for a little while until it starts cracking even again. And we repeat this process over and over again, and each time it works, but for a shorter, a shorter duration. And finally, one day the patch no longer works, and most of the gunk that we try keeping in there explodes. Go out in the, the west side of the parking lot, and you'll see our, our uh, moon crater. I, it, it, it looks like a, like a meteor <laughs> dropped in that thing. Well, what happened was the garbage truck, that's where he turns. And we've done everything to keep him out of there and, you know, put up a traffic cone and come out there. The traffic cone's flat. But the garbage is empty. And what is needed is a radical sawing and digging and cleaning out. I mean, Craig, Craig told us what we needed to do, but it's, it's pretty costly, and, and it'll just keep on growing. So we, we need to patch the whole, the whole thing. Maybe that's it. We, uh, we have a drive. Everybody buys a yard of, of uh, asphalt or concrete or whatever we're going to do. But, but it's expensive and it takes a lot of work and, and life is just like that. Is this, is this brokenness? And that depends on your next move. You see, you, you, you'll still have bits of that patch on top of the crack that has hindered the entire gunk from coming out, that emotional crud, that junk that's inside us that really needs to be exposed. And if your next move is to try and patch it again, you're going to remain, it's, it's going to remain the weakest part of your heart. And the whole process is destined to repeat itself. And you'll remain broken. And I know I've been there and I've, I've done that. However, at, at, at that point, you turn to God and ask Him not to fix it, but to restore. And that's what His plan is for you. He doesn't want to just fix. Fixes, fixes the patch. The restoration is a whole new surface. We want to restore our parking lot. It needs to be ground down, patched up, and then a whole new surface applied. In our lives, to repair that brokenness, we've got to let go and we've got to allow God to grind it down, get us down to that, to that base where we, he can start building on it again. And he grinds it down, and he doesn't just fix, 
He restores. So if you're broken, that's a good place to be. It's a good place to start. But it's, it's the place where you've got to start praying that God would restore, not just fix. But you've got to let go. And you can't do it yourself. Let's look at that word restore. It comes up over a hundred times in the Bible. And, and the word itself back then was a medical term that met, meant setting of a bone, mending of a net. And as a Christian, when we fall into sin, it's much like a broken bone that affects the rest of our body. It needs, it needs restoration. When you break your leg, you normally end up on crutches or you have a, a heel thing or a back thing. And there, takes, there has to be some restoration. Jeremy's getting his, his knee restored through physical therapy. I don't have to sit down anymore because I got some restoration. No, I got a fix. It, it, it's not going to get restored till I get rid of the thing that's causing the problems, but at least I can stand. At least I can walk around. But that bone, when it's set is actually, and heals, it actually becomes much stronger than the surrounding bone if there's a break. Almost as if nature was determined to fortify herself against another break. And look at other examples of something being stronger after breaking. Immunities. If you've developed immunities against, you've heard of developing immunities against sickness before, like the bone, your body is going to be more resistant to illness and more you have them. And they always tell me, you know, John, get the flu shot. I, I, don't, I don't want the flu shot. No, you need to get the flu shot. Why do I need So you don't get the flu. Well, wait a minute. I get the stupid flu shot, I get the flu, and I feel miserable. Mrs. Nurse, do you make your kids get the flu shot? I get it. Do the kids get it? Matt, do you get it? Yeah, you're my kind of guy. I'll deal with the flu. And when you only got a third of your stomach, you can't barf, and that makes it even worse. So keep your shot. I'll take the pneumonia shot, though. It's not the flu? Well, it feels like the flu. I've had the flu. It feels fluish. A piece of steel can break, but once welded, the welder fix itself is many times stronger than the surrounding steel. So also a piece of steel becomes harder and stronger when you temper it. And this is a process of heating and cooling many times and thus breaking down the internal structure to make it stronger again. Uh, Could you ever ride a horse that hasn't been broken? A broken horse makes a good companion, but... But a horse that's out of control is dangerous. A horse does not give up its strength or power when it's broken, but rather submits to the control of the rider. Kind of like us and God, don't you think? The fourth thing, if it ain't broke, then break it, you'll become stronger. You'll become stronger. So how does God use something that's broken? You see it in Judges 7. We see that Gideon's army was whittled down from 32,000 to 300 men. And God equipped them with only a trumpet, trumpet, a torch, and a glass jar. You're going to beat the Midianites with a, with a trumpet, a torch, and a glass jar. 
That's how you're going to fight the enemy, Gideon. And I'm sure that God and, and Gideon had a couple of conversations and gives, wait a minute, Lord. Uh, nobody in this army can play the trumpet. I didn't ask you to play it. I said, you're going to blow it. You can make a noise. Okay? One, two, three, blow. So Gideon gave trumpet lessons. Well, Lord, what happens if the, if the torch goes out? Torch isn't going to go out, Gideon. And what's the deal with the, with the jar? Well, you'll see. Well, read the story in, in, uh, in, Ju- in Judges 7. It's, it's, it's great. And, and you'll see that the Midianites were thrown into chaos from that entire racket and, and turned on themselves, started killing themselves. In Matthew 14, God uses the broken bread and fish to, of, a, of a kid to feed 5,000. They broke the bread. And later, as well, he went on to feed another 4,000. Mark 14, God uses Mary's broken jar and the oil poured out. 1 Corinthians, God used the broken body of Jesus and a sinner was saved. Countless times, God has restored a broken heart to achieve greatness. Before Abraham became the father of many nations, he and Sarah were childless. Before Joseph ruled Egypt, his brothers sold him into slavery. You know, there was, there was brokenness and then restoration. Before Job's estate was doubled, he lost everything. Before it, Moses led Israel out of Egypt, he was a fugitive. Before David was anointed king, he was rejected by his family. And before Paul brought the gospel to the Gentiles, he was blinded on the road to Damascus. Broken. Restored. So breaking is a good thing. These men experienced brokenness, brokenness before greatness. And God established a pattern long ago of preceding greatness with brokenness. Now, are there going to be any kings or queens in here? No, there probably isn't. Greatness comes in many forms. Greatness can be the top of your game. Greatness means that you did the very best that you could do and you got honor in school because you were there every day. You, got, you were honored in school because you got straight A's. You're honored in, in your job because you performed up over and above. You got promoted. That's, that's greatness. On the, la- on the last day, and I've been thinking about this a lot, my brothers are going to retire. The very last day of your job is going to be the very best day that you ever had. You're giving them the very... When they think of telephone poles, they think of Todd. I, I do. I, I look, I, there's a telephone pole, there's a light out. On, on the corner of Mercier and 48th Street, and every time I go out there to walk the dog and it's out, I think of you. I'm not complaining. So, so on the very best day that you have, you go out with greatness. Oh, man, I can't wait to get out of this place. And you'll look back, and you'll see that you left, and you left in a spirit of greatness out of that brokenness. The last thing, if it ain't broke, then break it. Greatness is going to follow. I want to share one more example of brokenness from the Bible. This is a, uh, a rather long piece of scripture, but uh, it's really good. Luke seven thirty six through 50. Luke writes, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so he, Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. So he ate with the Pharisees, these crumbs, these, these dregs of, of spiritual society. These are the people that hated Jesus. But hey... You know, gavilda fish and a bagel. He's not going to pass up a meal. So he ate, sat down and ate with him. 
So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat, and when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. This was like, this represented her entire retirement. All the money she, that you have in an IRA, all the money that you have tucked in the mattress, every dime that you have is what represented this lady in her jar uh, of, of uh, fragrant oil in this alabaster, in this alabaster jar. And she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisees, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner! Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to tell you, you bonehead. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said, and he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash dust off my feet. She has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven a little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And the sinful woman became broken in front of Jesus and everyone present. She allowed God to remove the patch over that crack in her heart and allowed him to restore her. So we read earlier in Psalms, God chose, chose to, uh, God is close to the brokenhearted. And you know why? Because, because he, the broken have discovered what is really important in life. You can't choose how you're going to be broken. God uses all sorts of methods to break us. It may be a neighbor you don't like, an event you didn't want, an illness that came, an employer that you can't stand, but you've got to work there because it's the only job you've got. And at some point, You're going to stop asking, asking, why is this happening? And turn to God and say, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn? You're the only one that can surrender to brokenness. And God may bring you to that point over and over, but he won't push you through it. You've got to do it yourself. If you refuse to be broken in this life, you won't have any choice in the next. He can't fix you until you're broken. He can't fix you until you let go. So it's not broken. Let it break at you. It's going to be stronger. And let the greatness God has in store for you come through. Are you broken today? Look at the words of of Christ. Look at the words of the psalmist. Understand 
he's in the breaking business. But more importantly, he's in the restoration business. 